Welcome to Salvaged Motherhood, the podcast dedicated to supporting mothers who are navigating the challenges of burnout and overwhelm and empowering you to heal your nervous system. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm here to guide you through insightful conversations and practical strategies to reclaim balance and well-being on this journey. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be discussing trauma. We're going to be discussing what big T, little t is classified as in the mental health world and what trauma really is and why it's important to know this in regards to your nervous system. So let's dive in. Big T is usually considered a large event in your life that happened that caused trauma. Maybe it's death of a parent, a serious car accident you were in, Um, a natural disaster that your family went through, maybe you lost your house um, and had to rebuild things. It's basically any life-threatening event or situation. So if you feel like you're actually going to die or, you know, I mean, death of a parent is a big one, but obviously you don't feel like, you might feel like you're going to die in that situation, but it's a life-threatening event or situation. And this is all classified in like the mental health world. So we're going to dive in and talk about why I think this doesn't really apply or shouldn't apply. Um, But little t is more of just a distressing event. Maybe you were bullied as a kid uh, or you moved a lot. Maybe your parents were in the military or you just moved just for whatever reason. Um, Maybe you lived with a critical parent or you lived in high conflict Or you went through a breakup um, in your adolescent years that caused you some trauma. And obviously the T stands for trauma in both of these things. But I have heard of trauma by being explained in different ways. So everybody kind of has their own definition of it. um, But I'm going to share with you what I think and the things that I've heard that resonated a little bit more with me than this big T, little t. So I've heard trauma be explained as people saying it's something that happens too fast, too soon, or too much, which I think that that's pretty good. You know, it kind of takes out the severity of something and it really puts it in the hands of the person on what they would consider too much, too fast, or too soon. Uh, Some consider trauma to be anything that happened to you that should not have, but also that should have happened to you and didn't. So let me explain that to you. Should have happened to you, but didn't. Mm. So obviously things that have happened to you that should not have happened to you, like maybe losing a parent or, you know, being bullied or teased, that definitely shouldn't have happened to you. Um, But there are things that should have happened to you, but didn't. So maybe you grew up in a, I'll give my my own story as an example for you. I grew up in a um, very high conflict household and that should not have happened to me, right? My parents should have been able to communicate better, express their emotions in a healthier way, and there shouldn't have been so much screaming and yelling, which just caused a lot of trauma for me over time, which if you've been experiencing like long-term trauma, maybe a low dose of trauma in some terms, but over a long period of time, you can develop complex PTSD from it. That's a whole nother topic and conversation on another episode. But um, for me, growing up, you know, in a high conflict household, that shouldn't have happened. 
But the thing that also should have happened to me but didn't was that my mom, so my dad was the one who was very like just outbursts, yelling, just a lot of, you know, the conflict came from him. A lot of the, the, uh, what do I want to call it? The instability with your emotions came from him. So, um, that was not supposed to happen to me. But the thing that should have happened to me that didn't is that my mom should have stood up for me more or removed me fully from a situation that she knew was going to be harming me over the long term, right? And so that's really difficult because obviously when we're in relationships with people, you know, we love them and we see the good in them and all of that. And so, you know, our parents, I think, struggle with their own things and they know maybe what's best for the child, but they don't want to feel like they're abandoning the person that needs help too. And it's just a whole thing. So, um, obviously the dynamic of your family could be different. The things you could go through are different, but that's just my story. And that's something that, you know, I think should have happened to me that didn't. I do remember being in like middle school asking her to divorce my dad. And I think I knew at a young age that their relationship wasn't healthy and it wasn't something that I wanted for myself. Um, but more importantly, I just knew that I didn't feel safe growing up and I knew that, I wanted to be in a different environment. I remember telling her, like, I want to go live with you. Can we just, like, move out and (laughs) go live somewhere else? I don't want to be in this. And, you know, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And I was exposed to a lot more trauma that I probably should not have been. But, um, you know, that's an example of something that should have happened to you that didn't. And when we're children, we look to our parents to protect us. They're the ones that are supposed to have our best interests in mind and they're the ones that are supposed to make us feel safe and protected and when that's not happening by one, the other parent is then supposed to step in and fill that void. So um, if that was your story too, that is a form of trauma and I want to be very clear that, you know, trauma is the experience that you've had and how you feel about it. So maybe what is traumatic to someone, to one person, is not traumatic to somebody else. But needless to say, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that you did not experience trauma. So I want to explain to you guys, like, like the reason why your nervous system does not care about big T, little t, and this is why I kind of don't agree with the big T little T conversation as defined by mental health is because remember in the last episode when we discussed how your nervous system goes into fight or flight when it experiences a threat real or perceived you have to remember that word or perceived that is so important because the threat may be real it may be the natural disaster that's tearing down your house it may be you know that your parent died it might be um just things that are actual threats to you, a car accident, a broken bone that you got from it, you know, that you literally thought you were going to die from the car accident. So these are things that um, are real, but there's also perceived threats, right? Like me growing up in a household where I never felt safe and I felt like my, I always explain it to people like as, you know, my dad was a bully, but um, feeling like I wasn't safe in that environment, feeling like he was a threat. It's a perceived threat. He he was a perceived threat to me. So I 
think that that's really important to keep in mind that, you know, for everybody's experience, it's going to be different. But, you know, you do experience trauma when you experience a real or perceived threat. So don't let somebody tell you that just because to them it wasn't, that wouldn't have been traumatic, that it wasn't. (laughs) Um, So it doesn't matter what it is, you know. If something throws you into that fight or flight, that state, it's trauma. It's however your nervous system perceived it, which is why people who say like, oh, they had a wonderful childhood growing up and you know, they, they would do it over again and it was amazing. Like, they still have trauma and they don't even realize it and they're not even really willing to admit it, I feel like, because they don't realize what trauma is or maybe they've just been misinformed. And I'm here to tell you, we all got some trauma. So, <laughs> trauma is just not the degree in which something happened to you. I want you to to remember that. It's not the degree in which something happened to you. It's the degree in which your nervous system reacted, which, you know, again, is turning on that sympathetic state and going into that fight or flight. So I want to say that again because I feel like that is so important and that is so good. Trauma is not the degree in which something happened to you. It's the degree in which your nervous system reacted. In other words, if something happened to you and you're telling somebody and they're like, that doesn't seem very traumatic, it doesn't matter because if you experienced it, if your nervous system experienced it and reacted in a way that was traumatic, sending you into that survival mode, then it's trauma, baby. It don't matter what somebody says. So why is this important? Why is this so important to know? I think it's important because every single person on the planet to some degree has trauma, like I said. They've, they've been through some trauma. They've experienced trauma. We all know what trauma feels like. We all have a taste of it. And so the more we can come to this realization, the better we can understand ourselves and have empathy for what we have gone through and then begin to heal it. If we don't have the capacity or the understanding of what trauma really is, then we're never going to be able to have that empathy and we're never going to be able to understand why we react certain ways, why we feel triggered, why our nervous system is stuck in this fight or flight and we won't be able to heal it. And that's why this is such important work. So because when we are dealing with nervous system dysregulation, If we can just go back and view our childhoods through a different lens, then we could just see more clearly how we got here, why our systems are reacting the way they are, and feel compassion for ourselves and what we have experienced. Because I think that the first step here is obviously identifying the trauma. The second step is then feeling compassion for the things that you've been through for the experiences that you've lived through and for the way that your body has reacted in those ways to keep you surviving. Because we have to remember, when we're children, our prefrontal cortex is not developed. Between the ages of zero to two, you are preverbal, so the way you're taking in the world is going to be way different than once you can talk. 
And then even once you can talk as a child, you're perceiving things with an undeveloped mind. So as adults, we can rationalize things that we've been through, but as children, we can't. And those experiences still get stuck in our body. Those experiences get stored in the way that we experience them, not in the way that we are now rationalizing as adults and making excuses for people. That's not how they get stored. And the most interesting thing I find about childhood is when you are let's let's take our own children for example or if you don't have any just imagine right so my daughter if I get mad at her and I scream and yell right she's obviously going to have a visceral response to that she's going to cry and she's going to be upset but she is going to not understand why mommy's mad right she's she's almost two but she's just going to know the environment has shifted somebody's angry there's yelling there's chaos I'm I feel scared And I don't know what's going on. She's perceiving this in a way that, you know, I think a lot of adults make, think that their kids understand, like, why they're mad and what's really going on. And I don't think they actually do, um, especially really young. So what happens is in order for children to survive, right, because when we're, when we're that age and we're that young, we know that we need our parents to survive. They provide us food. They provide us shelter. They provide us everything we need in order to survive. Without them, we would literally die. So in order for us to stay connected to them, we have to either disassociate from what's going on because that keeps us safe, or we internalize things and we think it's our fault because we can't possibly think that the other person is, you know, go is expressing themselves in a in a negative way so we internalize that and what happens to the child they then love themselves less because you can't love your parent less because if you loved your parent less then you wouldn't be attached to them so in order for us to stay attached to them we have to love them and feel connected to them right to get our needs met and if we can't get our needs met then we essentially quote-unquote die, right? Because, well, that's what it probably feels like for kids. You need your needs met. And so in order to get them met, we have to stay connected to our parents. If we can't stay connected to our parents, we're going to die. So what happens is that children, instead of loving their parents less or feeling less connected to their parents, they feel less connected to themselves. That's what they call disassociating. They feel less love for themselves. That's why, you know, their their self-esteem goes down or you know, whatever, because they're internalizing that and shame and guilt and all these things can start happening for them at really, really young ages that they don't even realize is happening. So because we need to continue getting those needs met, we need to stay in connection with our parents. So that's why as children, when you grow up in environments like that, it can be very traumatizing. But going back to having compassion for yourself and being able to heal It's kind of the whole theory on this inner child. Now that we're kind of talking about childhood, we can um, discuss this a little bit further. But to be able to like heal your inner child, you hear that term a lot, which your inner child is basically just you at a younger age that went through something um, and they're still in there, right? Those experiences are stored like we talked about. So you have to have immense compassion for them. You have to view yourself as that five, six, seven-year-old little boy or girl and cry with them. Like, let them feel seen. I know this sounds so woo-woo and so weird, 
but like (laughs) it is the most healing transformative thing you can do for yourself and how can we do that how can we feel that compassion and go back and see ourselves in that age and let that little child feel seen if we are not even acknowledging the hard things that they had to go through Maybe now as adults, like we're able to rationalize the things we've been through. Like I said, you can see things through a different lens, through a more mature way, and you can come at them with our developed prefrontal cortex. But that doesn't mean that the little person inside of you was capable of doing that back then. And they still want to be seen and heard, which is why you have these triggering outbursts, which is why we can kind of regress and act like children when we're triggered or upset because we still have that little kid inside that wants to be heard. And so the more that we understand this and the more that we have compassion for this, the more we can take things into our control and heal them. So there's still like this little kid is going to keep running the show subconsciously until we can turn, get down on their level look them in the eye and say, I am so sorry you had to go through that. That was so difficult and that should have never happened to you. And until you can like see yourself as that age and really um, connect with what that child was going through at that time, like you're just going to keep reacting the way you are. You're going to keep subconsciously having this, this voice or this little person inside of you that's wanting to come out. And it's only then that we can free ourselves from our trauma. Once we acknowledge what we experienced with that lens, with that child brain, then we can free ourselves from this. Because we have to remember, like I said, from the age of zero to seven, however you're perceiving something, you take as fact. You don't know when something doesn't make sense, why it doesn't make sense. You just think, okay, well, this is fact you know? And so, like I said, maybe now you see it differently. Maybe now you're obviously mature and you have a developed brain and you can see things from a different view, but that doesn't mean that your subconscious didn't store that information as fact. And since that moment has sought out to find everything it can to validate that belief, because our subconscious is constantly looking for things to keep our beliefs in check, to wire your brain to thinking something's fact, that is why we hold these beliefs because our subconscious is constantly looking for things to make sense of our beliefs. We're again and again reassuring it to know, hey, yeah, you are right. We need to continue thinking this way. And which in turn builds those neuropathways that then create our beliefs, our thoughts, and our actions. I like to think of the neural pathways as like a muddy dirt road and a car that just keeps going over and over and over and you're going to get those deep seated mud tracks, right? And that's kind of what the neural pathways are in our brain. The more that we uh, think similar thoughts, find similar things in our reality, we're building those neural pathways to create these strong belief systems that we have in these Belief systems then run our thoughts and they run our actions. And this is why you're getting the outcome you're getting in life. That's why in therapy, 
Like I've been to therapy a few times and they always go back to your childhood. They want to know about it. They want to know how you were raised, what parents were in the picture, what the dynamic of your family was. Did you have siblings? You know, they want to know all this stuff because it matters. There's also a saying, and I can't even remember who said it, but it's give me the boy from zero to seven and I'll show you the man. Because those are our for- such vital formative years for us. You know, those are the beliefs and the things that we're going to take with us throughout life until maybe we can understand what's going on and take captive of those and change the neural pathways, change the beliefs. We can rewire our brain. We can rewire our subconscious and our we can change those neural pathways to transmit different information, to think differently. It just takes time. It takes, you know, a lot of effort. But these are things that can be done. So the more that we can learn and know about trauma and the nervous system, the more we can heal from the past and take control of the present and our reactions of things now. The more we can expand our capacity to handle stressors and the more we can have compassion for things our body has learned to be true aren't true, but maybe learned to be true. So this is why this is so important to understand trauma because it goes hand in hand with the nervous system. It goes hand in hand with dysregulation. I think the more that we can dig into our past and find those little, maybe just little nuances of trauma, maybe big events of trauma. Obviously, the big ones are going to stand out more, But you can still have trauma from small things. You can have trauma from things that should have happened to you but didn't. You can have trauma from things that maybe to you were traumatic but to somebody else weren't, you know? And that's why it's so subjective to the person. And we can start to build this list or container, if you will, of things that have happened to us that have gotten us to this point of dysregulation. Because your nervous system remembers. And the the crazy thing about the nervous system is it doesn't know time. It doesn't know that what happened to you at age five happened to you at age five. It just knows that it happened. And it's living in the present as if it was now. So things that are triggering you are triggering you because it doesn't know past, present, and future. It just knows Things as now, things as what happened to us then is now. It doesn't understand the concept of time. So it's stored in there and the whole purpose of it is to prevent you from going down another hurtful path or another, you know, thing that it didn't like. It's trying to keep, it's trying to keep you out of survival and keep you surviving. But every time we go into that, it's getting triggered into that sympathetic Because it's trying to flee you from the danger, right? And so the more that we flee from the danger, the stronger the neural pathway gets. The stronger the reinforcement gets. And that belief stays there. And that triggering event gets stronger. Now we're triggered about the smallest thing. Because it has won every single time. So that's... Again, a whole nother episode, we can dive into anxiety and all of the things and how it manifests and how it just grows and grows and the monster gets stronger. But outside of all of that, 
you know, this is so important to learn because trauma is affecting all of us every single day. Trauma is not something that I think anybody has escaped from and it is subjective to the person who experienced it. So just to recap, we obviously talked about big T, little t, what they are, how they affect us, um, what the tra- what trauma really is and how other people have, you know, explained it, what I think it is, why it's so important to know in healing your nervous system. And I hope that this has opened your eyes, made you maybe see things differently and helped you in some form or fashion. My goal is to help you to understand these things so that you can have more control over your life and point it in the direction that you want it to go. Because I know for me, I have spent a lot of my life just reacting and not understanding why, where it comes from, how to heal it, and how we can make changes. So if you like this episode, please share it with somebody. Please get this message out and leave me a comment below. Don't forget to subscribe and I will see you guys on the next episode.